We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and once again joined by the co-owner of Road of His, uh, the co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast and the co-host here as well on Road of His Overtime, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we are, uh, I was about to say halfway through uh, this week, but we're three games through this week, but still lots to talk about as we get into week 12 hopefully anyone that had to start the guys on thursday night football are off to a, a solid start for your rosters so vital to try and get those w's now as we get into that playoff picture in fantasy football sean we did talk on uh, the previous episode on thursday about some of the zero rb watch on rotavis.com you covered the afc this week still a few interesting ones i did say on thursday there was a lot you know a lot of interesting things happening in the the running back rooms and particularly the afc this past week a couple of things that you have written about but you also wanted to to make sure we highlight for our listeners um one of those i guess uh, being the chiefs you also mentioned the miami dolphins and Miles gaskin and um, there's a there's quite a few guys in the afc that are on these kind of zero rb roster builds as the season has progressed uh, where where do you want to start on, on today's show? Well, the Chiefs were interesting, right? Because Clyde Edwards-Alaire had been sort of a mild disappointment, depending on kind of what your expectations were, maybe a major disappointment over the first you know, month of the season before he gets hurt and then obviously misses this big stretch. And, you know, so if you had used a high-value pick on him, then uh, the rest of your team was going to need to be good or else you were going to get buried. And then the Chiefs were kind of trying to work through who they had and what they could do. You hear the rumors about the potential to trade for Marlon Mack. 
You have Derek Gore go out there and look pretty good in one of these games. They have Jared McKinnon on the roster, but that never really materializes in whatever pass-catching upside he might have had in the past. The Chiefs were kind of finding the same thing that some of the other teams who have employed him in the past several years have found, which is that, I mean, he's just probably not a viable NFL player. And so it kind of all falls back on Darrell Williams, who has just been so solid. And they try and replace him, they try and replace him. And I've been in favor of them trying to replace him because I've kind of always been going for the third string running backs. And that hasn't worked out for me in part because he's just been so solid. And even though he's not a guy who's going to create anything in the running game beyond what's blocked, the fact that he's a pretty decent pass catcher and that he's a solid goal line runner, he can punch that ball in the one yard, the two yard. He's not going to be a big weakness in that area. It actually creates a situation where within this offense, the high value touches that he can get when he's basically the only guy had turned him into a pretty viable fantasy player. And then when he goes out and makes this highlight real touchdown catch that he made in week 10, then suddenly you're thinking, okay, well, we really have something here. Maybe he'll have pulled back some of the volume from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The problem with that is just that the Chiefs, I, I don't know, I... <sighs> they've got a lot of other things to worry about than what a player on another team is doing. But with all the questions that they kind of had to answer a month ago, I mean, things have really turned around for them. Their offense still isn't the juggernaut that it was, but the defense has come on. The offense has been able to control games. They've actually defeated some teams that are pretty decent and defeated them handily. And so, I mean, they now look like really the Super Bowl favorite again, I would say from the AFC with the, with the bills collapsing. Now, you know, a couple of weeks, we could be looking at this from a different direction, but I mean, they have more to worry about than what Jonathan Taylor is doing, but the same way that every time Taylor touches the ball, I think to myself, just like, I know we've been over this, but column when the chiefs pick was announced in that draft, I mean, it, it almost knocked me on the ground. I just, how could you have not taken Jonathan Taylor? And so this is something that they've had to deal with internally as well. So they have a lot of incentive to make Edwards O'Leary look good to, to kind of overcome, you know, all of the public relations nightmare that that is. And then obviously you have a guy you drafted in the first round. He's still a young back. He has actually had very few games in his NFL career where he was completely healthy. I'm sure that to an extent, they're still thinking, look, I mean, this is a, a young first rounder. We're going to get him out there. I mean, he's not going to sit behind Terrell Williams. And so he goes back into this game. He gets 14 opportunities, 12 carries, two targets. And perhaps the most surprising thing is he converts sort of the lone goal line carry that they have, which is an area where he's consistently struggled throughout the beginning of his career to the extent where, you know, Williams had really appeared to be the guy there. Now, Williams got three targets. And so the interesting thing here, I think, is that Williams saw a little bit more as the pass catching back. Edwards O'Leary gets the goal line carry. You know, you probably would have predicted this the opposite way, or at least before Williams really emerged, you would have predicted the opposite way. The problem here now is that we do have a little bit of a split backfield in a way where Williams is only playable in desperation mode. Edwards Alaire, a clear-cut RB2, not the RB1 that we thought he was going to be, but there is the potential for him to emerge again. And one of the things I noted in the article is that he does have the number two remaining strength of schedule. Now they're on the bye this week. So that's from weeks 13 to 17, the number two remaining schedule. So, you know, if you're in an FFP, FFPC contest, you have him 
uh, semifinals, finals, and then you have the three-week race for the half a million dollars. So it's not impossible that Edwards Alaire becomes a guy who kind of factors into the mix in that half million dollar race. The other element here, column, uh, kind of goes back to our construction on one of our main teams we're really rooting for this last week, and we'll have to play without Travis Kelsey. Like we said, the Chiefs are on the bye. But Kelsey gets a wildcat carry when they're down by the goal line and punches it in for the score. And so this kind of a situation where Patrick Mahomes loses a potential touchdown, the running backs lose a potential touchdown, but the Chiefs definitely working to get Kelsey involved. And we know that between the shovel passes, a play like this, his ability as a box out receiver in the end zone, Kelsey has struggled over the last six weeks, really. But over the past couple of weeks, even though he had the bad drop in this game where the ball bounces off of his chest, becomes an interception, really the one thing that kind of kept the Cowboys in the game. If, if Kelsey doesn't make that mistake, then the Chiefs win in an absolute blowout in all likelihood. But he's kind of moving back in the right direction. It was interesting to see a scheme touch at the goal line for him. Yeah, Kelsey has started to, to look more like his old self. It feels like with the Chiefs that, you know, you touched on it there with the kind of the PR stuff and, you know, where they, they took uh, Edwards Lair and it feels like, you know, almost pushing them as much as they can to see what they have, even if it is to their detriment. Um, you know, Williams and his opportunities just look quite good, look fantastic two weeks ago. So we'll see what happens coming out of the bye. But you mentioned the strength of schedule for the running backs kind of in that playoff picture, 13 through 17 in terms of the weeks. We did talk about the Ravens um, on the show on Thursday. Um, and and Freeman being one of those, and we talked about obviously we don't know how it's going to shake out with Latavius Murray there, and and with Lamar coming back as well. But Baltimore showing up as the third uh, best in terms of strength of schedule here. We have teams then like Denver, San Francisco as well mixed in. Philadelphia are kind of breaking the scale in terms of how good the matchups are, but that's probably a good thing for for Jalen Hurts. I don't know um, again how confident we can be in that backfield them um, to be consistent in terms of production moving forward we will talk sean about a couple more of these guys right after the break hey everybody this is dave cabin from the rotoviz flagship podcast just stopping by to say thank you for listening to rotoviz radio we're offering our listeners a special 10 percent discount when they use the promo code rv radio 2021 at checkout Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Sean, I mentioned at the start, I give you the option of which way to take it. One team was the Chiefs, the other one was the Dolphins and Miles Gaskin. Gaskin this week getting 27 opportunities in total 23 on the ground four targets coming his way as well um has been somebody who's had some big weeks and some quiet weeks has been hard to get the consistency going but um had 41 percent of the team's opportunities this past week is he somebody that fits into that mold maybe where you talked about edward Solaire who could potentially become kind of a, a playoff superstar to help push teams and you know Miami is in the top 10 as well of, of running back strength of schedule through those playoff weeks I think so Miles Gaskin is someone we've kind of resisted in dynasty trades even for teams that are trying to acquire one more player to make a push that may have been a mistake I'll be looking again at what the prices will be here over these next couple of days the last days before the trade deadline in a lot of formats uh, Gaskin has been alternating these RB1 finishes with disappointing finishes, but especially at the price that you paid for Gaskin, you'll take that, right? I mean, if you're looking at a clear-cut running back two slot type of player who is giving you almost half RB1 performances, then uh, I mean that can really juice those lineups in those weeks. And you look at his situation here since the beginning of week seven, he's averaged Almost 21 opportunities a game. He ranks number 10 in total expected points during that span. And so, I mean, that's low-end RB1 value. Now, his efficiency hasn't been particularly good, in part because on some of these high-value touches, he hasn't been able to convert. This was kind of an odd game for him here, where he was really the focal point, right? They have a solid, solid – they make Ahmed a healthy scratch – they elevate Duke Johnson, who, I mean, who unfortunately is probably in the same camp with a lot of these other backs where the team gets a chance to really take a look at them. And then uh, they are relegated again to either the free agent market or back to the bench. But within the context of this game, it makes it so Gaskin is going to have a ton of opportunities. You mentioned that he also had a lot of opportunities in close, which isn't necessarily the direction you would expect them to go. So then the question becomes, you know, what's the situation with Malcolm Brown? You know, will he come back and take some of these snaps down the stretch when you need them? Especially because Gaskin didn't get in on these. So it's kind of the question of, 
Is it a good thing that he had so many touches down inside the 10? Is it a bad thing that he didn't get in on the vast majority of them? Uh, he had a, a drive here where he had four touches inside the 10, finally scores on the next drive. He has three touches in close, doesn't get in. But for their first touchdown, Jalen Waddle scores on a carry, but the previous play, Gaskin had a carry for the one, gets stopped. So he ends up with like minus eight uh, fantasy points over expectation. But of course, part of that is that there were a lot of high value touches. So that's the good thing there. He wasn't going to be able to score all of those different times because some of those opportunities were on the same drive, but they were all actually on a variety of drives there. And they were in a variety of ways. Four of those plays were out of the Wildcat. We had mentioned that with Travis Kelsey. Four of them, I think, were normal handoffs. He had a couple of targets. He actually scored on a pass, which was encouraging to see. The fact that he, despite sort of a lack of size, despite a lack of tested athleticism, has a lot of different things that he can do fairly well and will work within a lot of different types of plays. You don't necessarily have a lot of guys who have this much flexibility within their offenses, and especially the way the running back touches and when you consider that the rest of the running back options have more or less dried up for the Dolphins, then you have to be excited about Gaskin's role within the context of this offense where Tua looks decent and Jalen Waddle gives them a star and Mike Kosicki gives them a second, not elite, but above average target. Hopefully they get back someone like a Will Fuller in the near future. This offense could move the ball, could create more of these opportunities. It's kind of going to be every week that Gaskin has so many opportunities in close, but he's someone who now really is on that RB1, RB2 fringe. And based on what people pay for him, what you might be able to get him in a trade, he's someone now who could really be a factor as we go down the stretch. So Sean, obviously the pieces there that we've we've added in are from the Zero RB Watch. We did talk about it in Thursday's show as well. Um, head on over, check out the whole piece up on rotaviz.com. Got some listener questions in, Sean. Um, we're going to dive into them. This one comes in from Blake Schultz. He's talking about some trades that he has made. He's hoping to get some feedback. He said uh, he this now came in last week, so uh, it just came in after we had recorded. Uh, at four and five with a fringe playoff team, he traded away kamara patterson and beasley for chase and gallop so the, that would be uh, jamar chase and, and michael gallop he's wondering what our ratings are on that there is a second one coming up after it but uh i think sean for me moving out of uh you know a, a more aging running back in kamara and then obviously patterson who has had his explosion this year and if you're a fringe playoff team who isn't likely to make it in i think this was a, a very sensible move to make in terms of getting uh, jamar chase who looks fantastic in his rookie season um, his stock has never been higher than it is now and i think michael gallup is a, a very solid nfl wide receiver he's in a situation where he's with cooper and lamb which can make it a little bit trickier for him to get you know full workload but he's somebody who I think uh, has a lot of upside moving forward, still relatively young as well. Yeah, to kind of <laughs> mix our sports metaphors, I mean, this isn't a home run trade. I would say this is a grand slam. You should not be able to get Jamar Chase for those pieces. Now, Alvin Kamara, incredible running back. Hopefully he ages well. Hopefully the offense moves in a direction that doesn't mitigate his upside too significantly, but... I mean, to move out of him, to get to Chase, Patterson has been exciting this year. Beasley, uh, someone who scores fantasy points 
and that's what it's all about. So you could understand why the other manager would would want those players. Maybe if they're you know on the verge of winning a title, uh, the the health issues with those three guys who are moved too. Probably none of them are a big deal, but if you can get rid of guys sort of at the trade deadline who don't factor in for next season and you're able to move them to a team that's kind of in a win now mode. I mean, if you can move guys with injury questions, that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Gallup, someone like you mentioned, you know, sort of a throw in in some ways in this deal to get him on top of that kind of crazy love this move. Anybody who can be kind of replacing running backs with star wide receivers at this point, when you're pointing to next season, uh, those are very big trades for you. Yeah, and um, you know, I think you mentioned it there. I think it feels like the team on the other side is much more of they're going for it all this year, and maybe it is a situation where, you know, they might have took Chase and this year as a rookie, and they may have a very strong wide receiving core, and they're thinking, I need that, you know, superstar running back to make that push. It feels like that with how these pieces have been moved around. So uh, yeah, I definitely would be doing this. This is going to be kind of flipping it to the the opposite side of dynasty trade i don't know if it's in the same league it, it didn't specify that and this is as well from blake but he traded away chase claypool rondell moore and a 2022 first which he says will be late um i'm always reluctant to unless it is at the very end of the season to, to pinpoint where those draft picks will be but uh for darrell henderson and mike evans so more of uh, more of an aging wide receiver who still is very very high production and has been very very high in his production since he came into the league uh, and then Darrell Henderson who we always have to consider has cow makers and the background you know heading into 2022 so this is one where I think it's probably pretty fair overall um my target here if I was doing it would be Evans but he's usually the kind of guy that maybe at this point we're trying to sell in that window and get to those younger guys claypool hasn't done what we were hoping in year two but we have rondell who probably isn't doing what we were hoping in year one but i would probably tend to lean sean on this one you might lean the other way towards the the younger side and, and having the pick what's your thoughts on on that overall again if it's a different team and we're heading to the playoffs and we're trying to win it all this year then the pick makes a lot of sense so it is going to come down to the roster construction yeah, I probably would be on the other side of this one as well. Although if the 2022 late first is his own, that would suggest obviously this team is competing for this year's title. And yeah, I mean, Mike Evans is going to give you more down the stretch this season than Claypool or Rondell. It's interesting because Monty Fawn and I have Henderson in one of the Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues Obviously, the startup was this season, and our team has kind of been right there on the edge of whether or not we would be competitive. And so we've been looking to move Henderson, and the offers have been—I mean, frankly—they've been terrible, right? <laughs> and I, you know, you can understand that because there is this idea of you know what will happen if anything gets worse with the Rams' offense. And in the last couple of weeks, the Rams' offense hasn't been as good, and so Henderson hasn't scored as many points. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, he's sitting right there in the clear rb1 tier and now there are some more questions i do tend to think they'll come out of the bye score a lot of points i think that defenses are going to increasingly look to take away uh, cooper cup whether or not they can do that is a different question but you know some of these other guys become a little bit interesting i'm a odell beckham skeptic 
but uh, Ben and I have him on a team, and so it's always sort of interesting to see you know what he will do. Henderson, I think, is going to score points down the stretch. One of the things looking at the situation too, in terms of trading him away, is I think it can be a little overstated to what his long term outlook is. I think that he's a guy who could be successful on a second contract with another team. I think he's a guy who could be successful in 2022. One of the things that I'm thinking of here is that Dr. Budoff writes some cool injury articles for us, uh, for the site. Obviously his background in medicine gives him insight into this that I definitely don't have. He presents you know, sports-related research in these pieces on the recovery times for different injuries. And one of the things that he's talked about is that while the Achilles injury is sort of a one-year recovery to getting back on the field and feeling sort of normal being able to play, it's more of an 18-month injury in terms of getting the explosiveness back. And, you know, it's it's kind of like the situation in some ways with some of these older players where, yeah, I mean, you can put Le'Veon Bell out there, you can put Adrian Peterson out there, but I mean, they're not the guys that they were. And so, you know, it really only matters if you are Le'Veon Bell superstar. You know, if you're Cam Akers and you'd be young, but if you're in a body that's functioning more like, you know, a 35-year-old, then that's necessarily a package that's going to beat out Henderson for work early. And one of the things that we saw in one of the most recent articles uh, that he wrote about this concept dealt with, Marlon Mack and sort of the difficulties that he was likely to face this season. And we kind of saw that with the Indianapolis Colts where they re-signed him. I think they were enthusiastic about his potential. I mean, Mack has been someone who really is an underrated player in the NFL, or he was before the injury. And I mean, with the Colts, it's a little bit of a tricky situation because obviously you're not going to give touches to anybody else other than Jonathan Taylor if you can if you can help it. So it doesn't mean that Mac is done or needed more time just because they decided to go in the direction of Taylor. But when they were auditioning him, he did struggle. Other teams decided not to trade for him. He's been a healthy scratch the last several weeks. That doesn't mean it's going to happen like this with every player. But I think that Henderson is someone that if you're going to move, I mean, you you want to get the the good price for so on, on this side he gets henderson you now have the late season push here you have the chance to maybe have him have some value in the future one of the questions though in terms of looking at all of these players is what's the retrade value and so that's kind of my concern there with henderson is even though he's actually in this good situation people don't seem to want to pay for him in most instances mike evans somebody who within the context of a three wide receiver offense with him being someone who really is reliant on the splash play you know what's your ability to get back out of him there the, the interesting thing here is that i kind of prefer the claypool more 2022 first side of it and yet when monty and i were offered claypool for henderson we declined that trade and so you know then you're kind of looking at it as rondell moore and the 2022 first for mike evans in that case i probably don't make the deal now if people want to hear a more extended discussion on Rondale, Ben and I talked about him at great length this week on Stealing Bananas. But Colum, he's a guy that I think is going to have more value than Evans you know, by this time next season. And then those 2022 firsts or the late firsts, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the site is the fact that these can be kind of sneakily valuable, right? I did this big piece kind of looking at the last five years where 
the top, I broke it down into the top six picks and then the seven through 12 picks, first rounders, which ones were more valuable. Now, the highest end players are going to be in that top group. And you have guys like Christian McCaffrey come out of there. But overall, it was very balanced. And, and part of that is because so many of the top wide receivers came out of the seven to 12 range. And so the 2022 first is probably going to be another wide receiver that you like. And so it's kind of like, do you want to move two young wide receivers for Mike Evans? Well, one of the things that comes into play a little bit here, a lot of listeners who are looking at Dynasty and play a lot of Dynasty probably looking ahead and know that the 2022 class is not considered to be as strong as some of our recent classes. So it may be especially that once you get into the back end of that, then you know, you're looking at a situation where you're like, you know, we have had a, a two or three seasons in the last eight where – once you got out of the first four or five picks, it, it did get pretty sparse. My feeling about this without having done the same kind of in-depth research on it yet that we have guys like Travis May doing for the site. Travis is going to have a lot of cool stuff out in the next month. We're kind of gearing up toward the 2022 road of its rookie guide, all those kinds of things. I think this class is going to have decent depth, right? And so I think that the real issue is just that once we get into it, you may not see the kinds of big bounties for the top three or four picks that we've seen in some seasons. We may not have the types of talents who come in and change the NFL right away, you know, like we've had with a Harris, like we've had with a Chase, like we've had with a Kyle Pitts. But I think there will, will be interesting depth in this class. So it's almost a situation where uh, if, if you can kind of move into some of these late first round picks because the perception of the class is that it's somewhat weak, I think by the time we get to that point, when you see like who actually does get drafted high, who you know, really outperforms in the workouts, there's still some time for, for changes here. I think those picks are kind of interesting. So kind of talked in circles a little bit there with Henderson and that element. I think that this is an interesting trade. All five pieces are relevant and it'll be interesting to see. I, my, part of my problem with it is just that I do have a hard time kind of giving Mike Evans full credit for where he is because he is a little bit older and he's got those other guys. I think that Chris Godwin is an underrated reality player. I think he's an undervalued fantasy player. He's been hurt a little bit slash arguably helped by the fact that they're using him right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they've taken away some of the dynamism that we saw with him in 2019 when Jameis was just launching everything down the field to these guys. And it sounds like you're kind of with me on that in that Evans is maybe the sticking point for you. Yeah, I feel like that, you know, just in terms of you talk about a lot, the kind of uh, championship window, keeping things, you know, perpetually reloading and to get them in. And, and Evans feels to me like he maybe even is one to two years out to that window. But as he continues to score touchdowns uh, over and over and is having pretty, pretty good fantasy numbers, I think, this might be the last kind of to window to really sell him for that true value and for people that do have him on the roster sometimes that window feels like it's going to be there for a lot longer than it is we've seen it with you know guys like aj green as an example where things can drift off very quickly same with julio jones um so you know it can be hard to move out at that time but it feels like that's kind of why i wouldn't be moving in towards it unless it was something where i thought we were right on the cusp of uh you know challenging for a championship this year and um, but that's going to do it, sean for today's edition of the show i also have just been um you know looking through my lineups over the 
the the last day or so to try and set some lineups everyone listening and probably knows that james connor is heavily involved in those rosters on a buy this week so trying to to get those uh running backs thankfully there's uh some some nice guys that i can have to slot into those i was kind of panicked for a little bit as i started to set the lineups but hopefully things go well this week wishing all our listeners the best in week 12 hopefully you pick up those wins and and head on towards the playoffs in your fantasy football leagues as always you can get yourself a listeners only discount get 10 percent off as a loyal podcast listener to a road of his nfl subscription you can sign up and use the code rv radio 2021 at checkout that'll get you 10 percent discount off that road of his nfl pass my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tomorrow my co-host is sean siegel but you can check out all of his great work up on rotaviz.com. We will have another bonus questions and answers show with myself and Sean that will likely come out this Sunday or else next Sunday. But if you have any questions you want to hear us dive into on maybe an upcoming one towards the end of the season, send those questions my way as well. And until we're back with another show next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.